0: Like, I felt like I was a gamer before, but mm-hmm. I played 25 games this year. 25. I mean, there were years where I'd play maybe two games, and that was like a good year for me. So, yeah. like, <laughs> wow.
1: And both of them were Persona 5. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. She's like, you need 2020. I was there for that.
1: Welcome to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player. Where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. Every three weeks, we bring on a guest who may or may not consider themselves a gamer to discuss the games that have made them and changed them, and all the feelings they have about our favorite pastime. I'm your co-host
0: Jamie, pronouns she/her, and I'm your co-host Spencer, pronouns they/them. And this is Pixel Therapy. Hell yeah, it is. Woo, 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 woo.
1: <laughs> it's our game of the year episode, Ta-da! folks, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But first, let's start as we always do with our Patreon shoutouts. This is our special thank you to everyone who subscribed to our Patreon name in the credits tier for the month of November. Uh, so that's a very big thank you to Genevieve, Lindsay, Jackie, Ben, Pimhatai, Adayinka, and See the Mess. We thank you, you all so much for your support. We do love you, lots and lots. Um, just the you know that rock solid crew rolling through Seriously. again for another month. <laughs> the squad, is this a uh, you know? Oh, they maybe they forgot their, their their credit cards on that. You know, it's like that.
2: Oh, fine, I it. meant meant to we'll cancel that it. HBO subscription.
1: <laughs> 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 meant to cancel that Patreon subscription, but no. No, I'm sure they're all doing it super intentionally because we're an awesome podcast. and You should consider going over and getting your name in the credits and kicking us $2 a month at patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod. And when you do that, you get access to our monthly bonus series, which we call co-op mode. Mm -hmm. And for our November episode, you're never going to believe it, but we talked about God of War Ragnarok some more. (laughs) I know. Shocker. But you know, after that last public episode, uh, we just felt like there was Another two hour mm-hmm. podcast in us. And folks, was. <laughs> there was almost another two hour podcast in us. So if you uh, have played God of War Ragnarok or you want to hear us talk more about God of War Ragnarok, uh, we went through the game and did a full spoiler cast on the Patreon uh, where we dive in on the moments that made us cry, the mm. moments that made us laugh, um, favorite lines of dialogue, most hype scenes, just breaking it all down. Oh, yeah. uh, it was a really fun conversation. <laughs> and I think. I think we finally got the God of War-Ragnarok conversation out of our system. Well, sure. (laughs) Spencer's like, "Eh, I don't
2: know.
1: (laughs) I could try again. We could see. (laughs) There's always more. There's always more God of War. Uh, If you're a fan of what we do here on Pixel Therapy, please consider sharing us with your friends and family, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, or even writing into the show. By emailing us at pixeltherapypod at gmail.com because we'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. So send us an email. All right, Spencer, the time has come to get cozy. Pull up an armchair. Feel free to lie down on the couch. Let's talk <sighs> about our feelings.
0: <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I am well. I. I mean, you just talk, You just mentioned God of War Ragnarok, uh, which is never far from my brain, but uh, I did just start it again uh, oh, no. <laughs> this past week, and God, it's truly just the game that keeps on giving. I uh, just, in the first few hours again, I'm just, it feels brand new because there's so much to notice and so much to take in and so much to re-experience. Um, like the nice thing about a game is that it's like 30 plus hours. So I'm like rewatching <laughs> a movie immediately after it. Just there's so much you forget. And yeah, uh, like there's just so many details. So ha! Ah, it's like really, uh, really worth, really worth it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's, that's awesome. I'm glad you're getting to relive it. I think, um- you know if I had all, if I had all the time in the world I would definitely be going back and playing through that again. We talked about in the spoiler cast how it was like doing the spoiler cast made me like oh man I forgot this and I forgot about that and all this little moment yeah, yeah. how did this play out and you d- I did very much get the itch to go back into it and just just couldn't let myself there's just mm. too many other things I wanted to be playing mm. right now. Um so I I when I got that platinum I uninstalled cuz I knew the temptation to jump back in would be too great if I didn't snowball you uh, laying it to rest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy for you and you getting to jump back into it, you
0: know. Thank you. And it's also uh speaking of Ragnarok, it's like six inches of snow outside my window right now. It's that is like wild. Blizzarding. Like I can see the branches of the trees laden with snow and bowing under the weight. Uh, And it's like blasting against the window and stuff. So my car is like almost invisible to the naked eye. My car is orange, by the way, (laughs) um, from my window. So yeah i'm not leaving the house <laughs>
1: yeah can't blame you there <laughs> let's talk about games how are you <laughs> uh i'm good it's i would prefer that it was snowing like that here instead we're getting rain uh Ew. just just far enough east and like just enough of a warm-up that happens between mm-hmm. you and us that yeah it's just been really gross and rainy and it's like the yard is just mud Ugh. so every time the dogs go outside it's a whole friggin thing oh, plus you gotta you gotta got push them out you gotta yeah. push them out they don't want it they don't like it. they're yeah. like oh my paws are wet I'm yeah like, you know i, I wouldn't want to go out and shit in a wet yard either but <laughs> 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 this is the lot you drew in life yeah. literally everything else about your life is amazing so <laughs>
2: right. this is the only hard thing you have to do today <laughs> this is the,
1: your one hardship you must yeah. suffer so <laughs> i don't know what to tell you um but yeah, aside from the weather, things are going pretty good. Uh, y- you and I did a little bit of—we did a little bit of clay making. Oh yeah, we did, uh, or clay sculpting, sculpting. <laughs>
0: we did sculpting, right? Is that what it's yeah. called? We did hand <laughs> hand building. Hand hand building, and it's, yeah. if For a more formal term,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: we got
1: some some. Well, I, we were using air dry clay, but I think you had the oven bake. the bakey kind, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we and we did some hand sculpting, yeah. and I made a little Mimir head. That oh my god, it's I'm so way good. too proud of. Yeah,
0: no, you should. <laughs> she should be. It's like masterful. <laughs> like she just found him in the in the clay.
1: I did, and I, I don't know. It was really cool. I've never. I have. Well, not never. The last time. I did any sort of play sculpting, I was probably in like grade school. Maybe yeah. junior high, like with the Girl Scouts or something. Wow. And I just remember it not going well and me just being like, I guess I'm not good at this. Oh, Done. No. by. So when we decided to do that as a birthday celebration for you. <laughs> Complete
0: surprise. <laughs> I literally finished dinner and my partner goes, he lifts a giant box from under the table, slaps it down on it, pulls out a laptop, opens it. Jamie and Colt are there. And he's like, it's time to play with Clay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You definitely seemed quite
1: surprised, <laughs> um, but yeah. So we, we had a night of uh, of sculpting, it was and fun. I made a few different. I made first I made a little penguin guy, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. then I made Warm a stra- strawby from bug <laughs> Yeah, you did. And then I was like, you know, for for the third and final, I was like, let's go for it. I want to see if I can make Mimir, and, and yeah, I, it, it, she I fucking did. I did it. I found him. Found him in that like, water. that would be a sick
0: ornament. Yeah,
1: I think so. Well, and I loved your idea that I actually used some like twine and yeah. tie it around his head and hang make it. His head so harness. Yeah, I can't wait. It's because we had the air dry kind. It's been drying for a few days. So oh, once cool. it once it's fully dry, we'll we'll slap a little paint on it. And nice.
0: And do it up,
1: but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah.
0: It's funny, she made Vamir. I made a little Kratos face it's like <laughs> Your a Kratos little, is dish. Great. You cartoonified him <laughs> yeah, in cartoonified a really cute him. way. Yeah, I just I my brain, brain empty, Ragnarok only. <laughs> but it was super fun to just see everyone's creativity come out, and mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I just doing something. Uh, I'm the word artistic creative with people and just mm-hmm. seeing what comes out and uh, making something without a goal of like having it even be useful or quote unquote worth, ma- worth doing, worth making. Um, yeah, really important thing to do more of.
1: Yeah, it was it was a really I applaud uh your partner for thinking of the idea yeah. <laughs> and and he said that you had like been wanting to do stuff with your hands lately. So I yeah, I just I thought it was cool uh-huh. and it is cool to do an activity where yeah we were on the screen because we were on Zoom, but it really did feel like we were all sitting around the table because yeah. we were just quiet, quietly working on our projects and then kind of yeah. like showing them off to each other and a few conversations bubbled up here or there, but there wasn't like a pressure to like be conversing the whole time like there can be yeah. sometimes on. A zoom. And yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a really nice time. And, uh, mm-hmm. my partner and I both had a lot of fun making the, our little clay creations and we're gonna yeah. have to do it again
0: sometime. <laughs> Yes, I have. Yeah, we have so much left over. Too, oh, we got a so bunch too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Colt bought like a whole fucking bucket. I'm like, yeah, but
1: there was there was a giant bucket, and then there was a smaller container. And I'm like, are these different things? And he's like, no, they're the same. Nope. I was like, why did we need two? <laughs> oh <my laughs> this god. is a one night activity. <laughs> he's like, oh, in case we want to do it again. Oh make my more. God. He knew. He knew. He knew. Oh my god! Well, let's let's go ahead and talk about the main topic of today's show, which is. Our game of the year. Games of the year. Games. Games. (laughs) And as a reminder to anyone who might be new to one of these discussions, also, just hold the phone. This is the third game of the year conversation we're having? Yeah. What? Thanks. Holy shit. (laughs) That just, that set me for a second. Seriously. We've been doing this a long time.
0: Yeah, we have. It doesn't feel like very long. No, it doesn't. feels like does, we just started this little baby podcast. Yeah, it does. And I, I feel like I looking at the list of games I've played this year, I feel like I've re- this podcast has really turned gaming into a capital H hobby for me because yeah. like, like, I felt like I was a gamer before but mm-hmm. I played 25 games this year, 25. And I, I counted any game that I played more than two, at least two hours or more. Cause mm-hmm. like, you know, there's this whole range of sizes and scales yeah. of games, but like 25, I, remember, I mean, there were years where I'd play maybe two games and that was like a good year for me. So yeah. like, <laughs> wow. And both of them were Persona 5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, you need 2020. I was there for that.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Uh, no, but for real, uh, it's, it's wild. And that's, that's so cool to hear that I the, yeah this podcast has definitely changed my relationship to gaming too and I actually found that like this year I uh this year I com- I completed 30 games wow but I do think I should get credit for 31 because that 31st is Elden Ring, which I put 130 mm. hours into according to my game clock. Damn. And just because I didn't fucking roll credits on Elden Ring, I oh, think yeah, I think no. I should still get the stat. You get that I think one, I get yeah. the stat. I think <laughs> I think that's 31 games this year. But I didn't technically complete it. Um Wait and a I, minute
0: I, though. I, that's completing 30 games. Yeah, that's thirty yeah, thirty games completed. That's a real feat. Like and by completed, does that does that mean platinumed? Not not all platinumed, no. like finish the story I rolled credits yeah Yeah, I mean that's wow that's amazing yeah yeah no it's
1: it's significant but last year I did 32 oh wow But the reason that it went down this year is because in in particular with our hiatus really gave me space Mm. for this. But like I just I let go of games easier Mm. this year. There Mm. were several games. I mean, even Elden Ring to some extent, right? I put 130 hours in and got to a point where it was just getting a little too hard for me. I was like, I was right at the home stretch too. It was like I was getting ready to enter the kind of final boss rush Mm. second section of the game. And I just walked away from it because it was just like I'm not having, I'm not having fun when it's literally just run through really hard fights. That wasn't what was fun for me about Elden Ring and that was when I fell off of it. Um, And I just let it go. I think in a different year I would have really forced myself to like see that through to the end. But Mm. I was like no, it's I'm done with this. That's great. Um, Also games like uh, like triangle strategy. I mm-hmm. got like halfway through that and then hit it kind of a difficulty wall in that too. And I hadn't assigned my points correctly on my team. And I was just like, I, this isn't fun to just like spend an hour in a battle that, that, that I then lose and have to redo. Um, yeah. and, uh, uh, live alive. Mm, yeah live alive Mm -hmm. i'm still not 100 sure how to say (laughs) that but i played like several of the stories and thought it was interesting but it's also the kind of game where it's like each uh chapter is like kind of its own isolated thing so i played like half of them and then was kind of like okay i mean i could come back to it at any point and finish the rest of those stories but life's too
0: short to not be having fun In and also, re-
1: I replayed <laughs> games this year, which mm. I never do. I replayed two of my favorite games of all time: God of War 2018 uh, yes. and The Last of Us Part One.
2: Mm-hmm, and mm. that was
1: so much fun.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. I basically, well, I platinumed Last of Us Part One because that was a re-release, but I basically like replatinum 2018. Went through and did everything God of War wow. 2018. It just still had a ton of fun up. doing that. Ugh, yeah, still holds up. Still holds up. Mm. So. I don't know. My relationship with games, I think, shifted a bit this year. I let let go of some of the
0: pressure that
1: I would hold myself to, feeling like, oh, if you start it, you have to finish it, and you've got to be getting the trophies and Mm -hmm. getting them platinums. And I still go for platinums when it's fun. You know, I got like seven or eight platinums this year for my PlayStation
0: wrapped stats. (laughs) Fucking love those things. You stopped (laughs) listening to your inner toxic gamer. Yeah, I did. I did. (laughs) I had a really good time. That's awesome. I feel like my theme of the year was it was like year of the PlayStation 5 renaissance. Like I feel like (laughs) 2021, I was playing a lot of PC games. I was checking out Game Pass. I was playing a lot on my Switch because I enjoyed the handheld just being the, the flexibility of location that I was given with a handheld form. Um, but I feel like this year, I mean, there were just so many bangers coming out on PS5 um, and like long games that I wanted to spend a lot of time with. Um, and I mean, we'll get into some of those titles um, when we start listing them. But um, of the 25 games I played, I mean, I feel like around half of them were PS5 games and um, or games that one of the platforms they were available on was PS5, not necessarily exclusives. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just really cool to kind of rediscover the PS5 again. I just yeah, a lot of really cool releases this year. Yeah, yeah, it was a great year for games. Next year will
1: Probably be another great year for games, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> so just get better and better and better until we die. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but yeah, <laughs> I started saying this earlier, but just to circle back, if you are new to our Game of the Year discussions, uh, we uh, we don't necessarily... We're talking from a very personal place, as we do yeah. with everything on the podcast. So we are not games industry critics. Uh, we are not going to sit here and say that the games that we're about to talk about are necessarily, like, the best games this is not best game. This is <laughs> our personal favorite games that we played this year for our personal reasons. Um, we kind of like to go through and give out a handful of awards. And then what we've done in the past is we give out a handful of like awards uh, to talk about a handful of games that we each really loved. And then we say what our personal game of the year is. Uh, we're kind of going to flip that on its head a little bit a- this year because our game of the year is... <laughs> Uh, Probably pretty obvious to anyone who's been paying any attention. This, yeah, this may shock you, but Spencer and I both looked, you know, checked notes and came back and said, uh, "It's God of War Ragnarok." (laughs) And and seeing as we've already uh, talked God of War Ragnarok uh, probably to death, not for us, but for the listeners, uh, you're probably tired of hearing (laughs) it. Um, We didn't want to have a whole other conversation about God of War Ragnarok, uh, but just know that in our hearts, that is both of our game of the year. We absolutely (laughs) loved that game. Um, I also, I think it was actually the best game of the year. Uh, same. It, I'm still a little salty that it lost to Elden Ring. At same. Same um, But, you know, everybody makes their own decisions.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
1: And Elden Ring's not a bad game. Like I said, I put 130 hours into it side uh, i
2: guess
1: <laughs> yeah I, I mean i think i think it really does come down to how you define game of the year right i think there's mm. an argument for elden ring being game of the ye- game of the year specifically not best game but game of the year in mm. just the the zeitgeist that surrounded that game yeah. it took over the gaming world for a period it got yeah. so many people into like brought new players myself right. included into the Soulsborne like style of games yeah I, it you know in that regard you can't really say any other game mm. this year had the kind of impact that elden ring mm-hmm, did for mm-hmm. sure but if we're talking about what was the best game this year I, I some people would argue that it was still elden ring and i vehemently disagree yeah. i think there's a lot of things that elden ring does really well and really uniquely and there's a lot that is just like got to wear ragnarok's a fucking technical masterpiece on every mm-hmm. level absolutely So, yeah, that's that's my two cents. I couldn't Uh, have said it better. Yeah. (laughs) Everything she says. (laughs) Um, Oh, and the final thing to note with our game of the year conversation is these are going to be about games that we played this year. It doesn't mean they have to be games that came out this year. So it might not be a new game, but it might be new to us, in which case we are still allowed to talk about it because this is our fucking podcast. And if you don't like it. just stop playing then it please what are you don't doing don't hate listening to us, us. come yeah. on <laughs> there's so many better things you could be doing with your time than being mad at us <laughs> For i already city. do that enough on my own oh <laughs> 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 all right so spencer I think you came with some highlights of the year before we jump into the awards <laughs> yeah, I that was, you wanted to share with our
0: listeners and me. Yeah, I was sort of like doing a review of, of figuring out, pulling together a compilation of everything I would played. And part of that was sort of referencing um, like lists of games that had been released in 2022 and including a spreadsheet that Jamie made herself that, and she maintains <laughs> that I just... Pillage. And we'll be rolling out again.
2: Jamie's <laughs> yeah. get
1: hype game list twenty twenty three. Although I am simplifying it. Uh, for the coming year because it is just too much of a bitch to keep up with all of the, mm. the graphics and video files yeah. that I like, connect to it. Yeah, she um, makes it very visually
0: appealing. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, too much effort for how little use it actually gets, but I'm <laughs> glad that you at least have been using it. I love it. It's like
0: my Bible. <laughs> um, but <laughs> in this process of listing all of the, again, 25 games I played this year, um, I also just put together a list of some like gaming world stuff that happened happened in 2022 mm. it was a pretty big year for the gaming industry um really like year of the acquisitions like uh which yeah, is a little scary true. like it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like oh <laughs> lots of purchases and uh what's it called like Coming together, uh, closing like ranks, merging. And- yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. here, I'll just go down the list of of some of the biggest things that happened. Um, first, the Steam Deck was released. Yay. Uh, really big, like handheld. Um, bringing PC games like into the hands of players ha- like its own console um, for those who love Steam um, and games that are on Steam. Um, I mean, I still am on the wait list for getting one myself. So <laughs> it's like a huge success. And it's just exciting to see another console entering the market. You have a Steam Deck, Jamie. Like I do. Do you love her? Still? <laughs> I I like it. I like it. Uh-huh. And I'm excited to use it
1: more. <laughs> I used it to play one game this year, which was uh, Strange Horticulturist. One game this year! Strange Horticulture. Yeah,
0: Strange yeah. Horticulture. Awesome game. I
1: fiddled with other games on it this year. Um, I was definitely disappointed in the way it interfaced with Game Pass. Mm. I was hoping to be able to kind of stream cloud Xbox Cloud games to it. Yeah. Um, and I just did not find the stability of the Internet connection to Mm, be good enough for that. I don't know if that's my own personal home Wi-Fi situation or something else, because I've only heard people talk really highly about Xbox's cloud gaming, and this was my first uh, foray into it, and... Did not find it very successful. So, I don't know if that's just the way it's functioning with the Steam Deck specifically. Mm. Um, I haven't tried it yet on my phone. So, maybe, maybe I'd have an easier time on the phone. I, I think they just released the Backbone controller for Android phones, mm. um, which maybe that's a more viable way to yeah. engage with those. But Anyway, suffice it to say I'm I'm happy with my Steam Deck purchase. I'm excited to see how I can use it more in, in 2023 and beyond. Um, handheld gaming is not my first go-to with mm. gaming, but I prefer it to sitting at the computer desk. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's i I think it's still gonna be my go-to when I want to play a game that's only available on PC. Um, but I don't want to sit at my PC to play the game. Yeah. Which if even if that's all I use it for I'm okay with that and it makes me I'm glad my decision to buy the lower end model was ultimately justified and I'm glad I didn't succumb (laughs) to the the siren call of the like really fancy one that would have been like double the price because I think I might have some buyer's remorse if I was in that camp I think that's really specific to me there's a ton of people who like are over the moon with their steam decks because of the way they like to play games and yeah, more more power to them. I think if yeah. you prefer handheld gaming, it's a fantastic device.
0: Mm-hmm. And it'll only get better from here. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. So speaking of acquisitions, there's a whole mess of stuff that conglomerated this year, but <laughs> let me just list a few. So Sony Interactive Entertainment, they bought Bungie, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Makers of Halo. Mm -hmm. And Destiny. Destiny Destiny, these yeah. yeah. They're the original makers of Halo. No longer the makers of Halo, but yeah, Destiny is their current thing. They also bought their first Canadian developer, Haven Studios, and Mm -hmm. an esports platform called Repeat.gg. So exciting to see Sony making some moves into the esports space, Mm -hmm. which I also kind of want to like pay more attention to. I just sort of like know it exists and then forget mm-hmm. about it. But there's a lot of interesting shit going on in the esports space. Yeah. Um continuing with, with acquisitions, Nintendo um actually bought an animation studio called Dynamo Pictures with plans to rename it to Nintendo Pictures. That's interesting to me just because um I don't know, I wonder like what are they trying to get into movies? Are they trying mm. to serialize some of their games? I mean it was like God of War Ragnarok broke records with PlayStation with 5.1 million copies sold in the first six days after the game's release. Meanwhile, Nintendo released Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, mm-hmm. and they sold 10, over 10 million copies of the game in mm-hmm. the first three days. Like the mm-hmm. scale of that is just like mind-blowing. So yep. it's yep. interesting to see what Nintendo is cooking up behind the scenes. Um, Meanwhile, Microsoft tried to buy Activision Blizzard, (laughs) and as of this month, um, they were blocked by the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, so we'll see how that goes, but... um, You know, Microsoft has more money than God, so I'm sure they'll be fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: honestly, the worst thing about that, well, there's a lot of bad things. I don't think any of these acquisitions are necessarily ideal. I definitely take a little bit less issue with the acquisitions that Sony is making because they are buying studios, like developing developer studios. I guess uh, Bungie did technically self-publish Destiny now, I believe, Mm. so you could argue that they're, but they're making one game that is just a much smaller scale thing than what Microsoft has, has done, which is buy publishers Mm. publishers. They bought Bethesda last year, which is a publisher that has a ton of studios under it. Mm -hmm. And now they're trying to buy Activision Blizzard, which is a publisher that has a bunch of studios under it. So the size, the bytes that, these two companies are taking yeah. out of the industry are demonstrably different. So mm-hmm. I do think it's okay to be more against one than the other. And I just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I Activision Blizzard has a shitload of issues. There's all mm-hmm. the stuff with Bobby Kodak. Like there's a lot of reasons why Microsoft acquiring them might be good, at least in the short term, for yeah. the employees there. And the culture. The, yeah. yeah, the culture for the games that are coming out. You know, if it doesn't have to be a Call of Duty churn machine. But long term for the industry, I just I don't think consolidation is great. Yeah, Um, I'm with you there. And it does, yeah. I'm also not for as much as we love Game Pass, I don't want. I don't really want the future that Game Pass might bring us to, which is that there's a lot of games, none of them are amazing, but you have access to a lot of them. Yeah, and you have to have this subscription, and you don't own anything. And now we can just jack up your monthly price forever because we're the only game in like, you know, I don't know. We're a long way from that future, but like we see things like what Netflix has done. (laughs) And I don't know. That's the direction Xbox is heading in. It's not necessarily the game future that I want. So,
0: yeah, like I worry about developers in this sort of Game Pass model not having the runway that they need to really bring a game fully to fruition. Like a lot of games take years and years to build and time to, um, you know, put together and with in this model where we're releasing games faster and they're all on this, uh, subscription model. And like, I just wonder what that's going to do to how publishers invest in games and what games, what types of games we decide to keep making. Like, I just, I worry because mm-hmm. I see with Netflix, how they're you know, the seasons that they're releasing of shows are shorter and shorter. The, the time that shows are given to grow into themselves and see how they perform is becoming shorter and shorter. Like you see so many Mm -hmm. promising stories come out with one season of like six episodes. And because it didn't completely meet game of Thrones level standards of viewership, it's Mm -hmm. like canceled before it can even get off the ground. Like Mm -hmm. I I don't want to see that happen to games. Um, So I worry about that as well. Um, Epic Games bought Bandcamp, which I don't know what that means, but, like, why? (laughs) That (laughs) That, that was a weird one. That was a weird one. Um, And Netflix uh, bought a mobile games developer, Boss Fight, and started pushing games on their mobile platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, meanwhile google decided to shut down stadia as of january (laughs) 2023 hardly knew ye sorry stadia yeah
1: Yeah. it's kind of a long track record for google to like start a whole thing up and then shit can it when it doesn't immediately get successful
0: they're like "Ah, there's enough, (laughs) enough competition in this space I think we're good. (laughs) Yeah, that's so weird. (laughs) Um, There was that huge Grand Theft Auto leak of like uh, over 50 minutes of of game footage. Um, And there too, I think like a lot of the backlash was sort of like just showed how little the average person understands about how games are made and what the game development time cycle looks like.
1: (laughs) Also, that kind of shit is exactly why developers don't want to show you their games early. Like you have one side of the gaming audience being like, why don't you show us things sooner? Why yeah. isn't there more transparency in game dev? Why yeah. don't we know what's coming? Like we do with movies and <laughs> yeah. bah, 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 bah. It's like, this is why, because every time you all get a peek behind the curtain, you lose your you fucking minds yeah, and you start sending death threats. Yeah, like, yeah. And I understand that maybe those are two different halves of the community that are having those reactions. But then like the folks who are asking for more transparency, we're going to have to figure out how to get the other fuckheads in line yeah. before we start asking developers to like literally risk their lives. Yes. <laughs> (laughs) In the situation that we're in by, like, sharing information before it's, like, fully packaged and ready for the masses.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of Activision Blizzard, um, the last thing I wanted to note was that in 2022, Raven Software formed a union and sparked a really important convo about crunch culture in game dev as well as a lot of the hidden very toxic cultures uh, that that are going on within these studios um that mm. that no one seems to know about um and should care about because so many passionate people are literally risking their health and well-being to make these groundbreaking games um and so like just so much support um for raven software and the folks who were brave enough to to form that union and, and speak out like this work is not even close to being resolved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Double click on that for sure. I mean, what we just found out after the awesome previews for Diablo 4 that the developers have been like, Crunching their asses mm-hmm. off and and it's going to continue all the way up until the game's release and it's mm-hmm. just it's so hard to rectify that kind of stuff with the games that we love and then try to figure out what <laughs> how how do we as gamers mm-hmm. try to stop that from happening
0: yeah um yeah. yeah it's it's tough. I so I'm going to this, this is my I always ride this point. Yes. But I think a big thing that we as gamers can do is stop fucking pre-ordering digital copies of games. Mm. Like mm. I think that I have, I am certain that what happens is a game is a made available for pre-order like a year before it's supposed to come out, everyone starts pre-ordering it. And now the super aggressive timeline put forward by marketing is driving all of the development going on and developers mm. aren't able to really ask for the time they need because money. And so like, especially if a game is going to instantly be on my, like If it's the week before the game's being released, go ahead and pre-order that game because the development has been wrapped for weeks at that point. But, like, there's no reason to pre-order a game, like, two years in advance. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Certainly doesn't help. Does not help. That's my hill that I'll die on. (laughs) (laughs) That's an important hill.
0: So yeah, I, so those are, that's my year in review, um, of things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of shit happened.
0: So with that out of the way, let's fucking, let's get personal and and just zoom in entirely on our (laughs) own perspectives and talk about some of our favorite games this year. (laughs) Now that we've had some
1: global perspective, let's just, uh, yeah, zero right in. That's right. Uh, what's, what's the first award that you want to give out, Spencer? Oh
0: my God. Okay. Well. Okay, let's talk about, so we talked about Game of the Year being God of War, Ragnarok, mm-hmm, no question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, right before we started recording, Jamie, you also mentioned, like, character of the year, or our favorite yes. character. Well, um, I'm dying to know what yours is, because you already know what mine is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already know what each other's is, well, right? Yeah. So, like, it, Kratos. <laughs>
1: His? Obviously. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I do not want a snack. No. Kratos uh, <laughs> is uh, hilarious, a badass, mm-hmm. so fun to play as. uh amazingly acted and performed by Christopher Judge, who yep. won the Game Award for Best Performance yeah. this year and gave an amazing speech where yes, he refused did. to leave the stage no, he did. and just kept yeah. talking. No. And honestly, he could, that could have been the entire Game Awards. I would yeah. have watched two and a half hours of Christopher Judge up there just like getting kind of weepy and sharing mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes stories about making God of War. When he shouted
0: out Sonny Soljic, who plays Atreus, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I was waiting yeah. for that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was great. If you uh, didn't watch the Game Awards, uh, go go look up Christopher Judge's speech because mm-hmm. it was just so good and heartfelt and just so happy for
0: him and really hope he gets cast as Kratos in the yeah. show, in the Amazon show. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier today Amazon officially announced that they're going to make a God of War yep, show. So. so
1: Amazon has said officially that they're making a God of War show now. It was They had gotten the rights or something before, mm. but it wasn't officially announced that they were doing it, so it is officially announced now. And what I think is the most exciting bit of news to come out of is that Corey Barlog, who was the director and writer of God of War 2018, um, has signed on to the show as an executive producer. Now, yeah. what level of power that means he'll actually have in the production, it's hard to say. Executive producers, it it can go either way. Mm. Like they can have a lot of influence or none. Mm. Um, but I think it bodes well. I hope hell it bodes yeah. well. It gives me hope. And Corey is specifically who brought Christopher Judge in on God of War 2018 and convinced him to take the role and they have a really strong relationship and judge really like loves working with Corey. So Mm. uh, could this, could this mean we might get judges Kratos? I think, you know, I don't know. All signs point to it's definitely possible. If (laughs) if I'm a magic eight ball, I'm saying like it's it's super possible, Uh, and it's giving me more hope for the show than I had the last time we talked about it a few weeks ago. So,
0: yeah, I feel like it takes someone who understands games to do these um, adaptations because I think things come off so goofy and campy if you don't have someone in the room who understands that you're translating an art form to another like there's lots of just preconceived notions about games so it's exciting to see someone who understands how the sausage is made getting put
1: well and understands the there. heart of the narrative right like I, and i i think this yeah. was important too with the the last of us adaptation that hbo is doing and, the, and they neil Druckmann, who's the director of the last of us has been super involved in that as well but I, I wouldn't always argue that the original creator needs to be part of an adaptation. I don't mm. I don't think that's a requirement mm-hmm. at all. But I do think where game adaptations have really struggled is in understanding what resonates about the game and like trying to convey that in film. And I do think that like both Corey and Neil, those stories that they told were incredibly personal to them. And so specifically them as people who were telling a narrative that meant a ton to them are going to bring that perspective of the importance of the core narrative themes to the conversation in the adaptation and make sure that that's represented. And so that a God of War adaptation isn't just about really brutal fight scenes. Like that yeah. is a piece of what God of War is, but that is not the heart of what that story is. And yeah. core is specifically positioned to speak to that heart because he made a game about being a dad because he was a recent dad and was going through all those emotions. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. So anyway. he's your second favorite character. <laughs> My
1: second favorite character of the year uh was Blythe from Elden Ring. Oh, actually. Wow.
2: Oh, Clive uh,
1: okay. is a, a half wolf man. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh so he's a werewolf. I am a fan of werewolves. Uh he's a very tall boy. Nice. Uh and he's a very good boy. Oh, oh, he was a sweet boy and he had a very like soft spoken like sweet voice for a, for a werewolf, but he looks like very scary and grim and his uh, armor is like so fucking badass and just like a really standout character from Elden Ring. I was immediately taken with him when I first encountered him. I really liked the narrative beats that they gave him as you re-encountered him throughout the story, and I don't want to spoil anything, but his story really goes places, and it's quite tragic. Um, Oh, no. And so I really liked him. He was like my friend for a while, and we ran around and did some things together, and uh, he was just a really cool character. I love his design. I loved his voice acting. And uh yeah, I like like a like a good wolf boy.
0: Oh, that's so fun. He's adorable. <laughs> I looked
2: him up.
1: Yeah. He's like a he I mean, he basically looks like a werewolf, but he's wearing like full armor and like this long fur coat that's like the shaggy gray fur. Um, but he's very tall. He's like almost twice the height of the player character, and he's got a really big sword. Um and yeah, he was he was nice. a cool character. So that's that's my second favorite character of the year behind Kratos.
0: Sick. Well, that's kind of... <laughs> Minus... I love that. Minus another Ragnarok character. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't belabor the point, but it's Brock. El- ah. A dwarven companion and foul-mouthed, hilarious person uh, with very sage advice and... So sage. His own, um, you know, heart-rending trajectory. Um mm-hmm. So that's all I have but, but to say. But wonderful emotional beats. They they yes.
1: give. They really gave Brock his due in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was such a fun side character in the first game, and in the second game, it's that plus we give him a lot of emotional and like emotional depth and narrative
0: weight. And yeah, I also love that Kratos loves him. There's a line mm-hmm. where um, he Kratos specifically asks Brock to accompany him on a, on an errand. And when asked why Brock, he says, I like him. He speaks plainly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. I like an awesome guy. He's straight, straight shooter. Um, and just, if you, you know, if you've someone who's earned Kratos' trust, then you're probably a pretty good dude. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, Jamie, what's your first official reward? I mean, a reward. Award after (laughs) Character of the Year. Uh,
1: So my first official award that I wanted to give out, I'm calling a real runner-up, which is that in a year that God of War Ragnarok doesn't come out, this Mm -hmm. probably would have been my game of the year, or at least I would have really been sweating it. And that is Plague Tale Requiem, mm. which is a big surprise to me. I was not mm-hmm. expecting to like this game as much as I did. Um, for as a reminder for folks, Plague Tale's the action adventure, survival, horror, stealth game um, by Asobo Studio in which there's a ton of rats. <laughs> I think yep. that's the defining oh, yeah. characteristic of the Plague Tale games, is that there's a lot of rats. <laughs> um, it's definitely an imperfect game, uh, particularly in gameplay, and there were still a few storytelling decisions that they made that I, I had quibbles with, but a plus for characters, a plus for dialogue, the emotional beats, the art of the game, the world design, the music. Um, with the music too, the the composer is, has actually been doing a YouTube series where uh-huh. he plays through the game and like gives commentary on the tracks and like how he designed mm-hmm. them and what they mean and why they come in at different points and how that. And it's just so fascinating. Cool. Music in games is incredibly interesting because it has to be adaptive to gameplay, and so I just think it's really cool how. Compose like specifically composers who work on games adapt their music to yeah. fit with games and yeah it's, it's really interesting web series um but yeah I, and overall the narrative was was great I, I think it's a game that just is really reflecting a lot of. Uh, realities about humanity and how we approach concepts of like things being evil and Mm -hmm. how we hunger for power and how to protect something's innocence and how to make decisions around... In some ways, the game is like a... (laughs) I don't know if it's a reverse Last of Us, but it's like mm. if The Last of Us kind of asks this question of like, do you save the world or do you save the ones you love? Like Plague Tale, the Plague Tale games are also asking that question. Mm. And I think they ultimately come out on the other side
2: mm. of where The
1: Last of Us ends
2: mm.
1: uh, in terms of how they answer that question. But it's, yeah, just a really powerful journey to go through and and say like, you know, what what do you sacrifice globally? <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: for the people that you love, and like, how do you how do you balance that? Um, eh. so really really good fucking game that Damn. I
2: like a
0: lot. What an impassioned um defense of um. <laughs> playtale like not that i need needed <laughs> defending but i mean like that's such i want to go play it right now like i gotta go bye <laughs> yeah but and then it's it, i the the downside
1: then is that like it's kind of a difficult game to play it just like mechanically is mm. clunky in ways that i do think put up barriers for people really getting into the game and enjoying it which is yeah. too bad because there's so much there that is that is great and i just wish it was a little it didn't make you work so hard to enjoy
0: it. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what's, what's your first award? I'm going to go with the, what I call the hooking itself in my brain and never letting go award, which I'm granting to Norco by uh, geography of robots. Um, so Norco <laughs> was a game we played earlier this year um, set in a sort of dystopian post-apocalyptic New Orleans um, and full of, okay, it's a point-and-click, like, 2D adventure, almost, Mm -hmm. like, kind of nostalgic in the way that it's drawn and its mechanics, Um, but it's sort of, like pushes at the boundaries of its form in a way that reminds me of like inscription. um, Another really awesome game that was more than like the sum of its parts. Uh, But it's just this, it's a story of a family, but it's also the story of like humanity and the things that drive us and the things that prevent us from stopping the apocalypse and (laughs) like just how awful we are, but also like I don't even know. I don't have words. It's everything. It's like art. It's art. Um, it's disturbing. It's hilarious. It makes you think about religion, about mm-hmm. family, about, um, generational curses and breaking out of them. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's an eye opener of a game. And and I, I would recommend it even to someone who doesn't play games. Like it's, it's just narrative art. Um, so, yeah, Norco. It's a good fucking game. <laughs> Norco is a good fucking game. So good, in fact, that I also
1: gave <gasps> Norco an award. What? For what? That I'll just jump to you right now. I get, I said it's a dream I still haven't woken up yeah, from. Yeah, see?
2: It's working its way <laughs> into our brains and not letting go. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I, yeah, I really love Norco. And the thing is, like, it's one of those games that I... I, Part of me wants to go back and replay it because I feel like there's... It's so dense. Yeah. And... And... and very similar to Kentucky Route Zero in the way that it it feels surreal and dreamlike even as you're experiencing it. And mm. it's, it's everything, like, reality blends with the dream world state to a point where you're, like, not quite sure what's really happening to the characters versus what's just meant to be taken metaphorically versus, like, is this an emotional representation? Mm. Does it, it ultimately come out saying, like, none of that matters because the journey that we're going on here is, like, that's what's most important. And also, uh, uh, I love the hyperlocality of the, like the way Mm. it really grounds itself in a place, a place I've never been to, you know, Louisiana, the rural Louisiana area. But, so completely just like you feel that world in in a game that you're not controlling the character running around on a screen. You're not seeing, but like everything about that, the way it's written, the literary, uh, like prose of, of things. I saw a review that claimed the game was overwritten. I was just like, disagree, like disagree. Yeah. Uh, I can see how you get there. If that's like, not what you want out of gameplay, but, everything every word that was written in that game like served mm-hmm. the final impact of what the game was as you were experiencing it yeah and you could you know smell the city yeah and the the swampy like and see the smokestacks and it, you just you felt it it felt like you were there mm. even though it was very much like a 2d experience with pixel art Certainly. beautiful pixel art but all the same like a really simple presentation that was used to great effect absolutely so, yeah i i would
0: second norco
1: mm.
2: for sure mm-hmm.
0: what's next okay next i have the thanks for getting me into another new thing i don't have time for award
2: <laughs> which
0: uh, <laughs> i'm presenting Very to specific. fire emblem 3 houses um uh, yep. <laughs> from intelligent systems and Techmo. um Just and what that thing is that I don't have time for is tactical (laughs) role playing games, Um, Mm. turn based tactical turn based strategy uh, RPG. Um, Something I never thought I had the patience or brain for. Like I'm not really like a very I don't play chess. I'm not good at chess. I'm like I'm not really someone who plans twenty moves ahead. I'm very much a fly by the seat of my pants type of person, and so um, I just didn't anticipate how much I would love these battles. Like, mm. like I think what I thought is that I would get through the battles in order to be where I wanted to be in the game, which was in the cutscenes, in the relationship building, in the time in between battles when you'd get to roam the school and build relationships and share lunch with your students and all of that shit, which was great. But I also looked forward to the battles. I really enjoyed the um, process of like keeping everyone alive uh, and getting through the challenges that each stage presented. And um, I just believe the whole package of the game was, was appealing to me. And I spent uh, like over 90 hours on just one storyline in that game. Didn't you like start it again? I sure did. (laughs) Um, I even, there was a game that came out this year. It was based on three houses. It was three hopes, which Mm, was more of a, like hack and slash like like it's like the same base elements of like these this world these characters um but the format was much more frenetic and Mm -hmm. um like live combat base and it just didn't hit the same I didn't stay with it in the same Mm. way even though I thought I would enjoy it more I didn't um so it is cool to see that there were still types of games that I'm open to trying for the first time and enjoying. I'm not as jaded of a gamer as I think I am. I love that. Yeah. Okay, Jamie. Next.
1: Next. Um, so, my next award that I'll be giving out is the Spirit of Disco Elysium Award. Ooh. And in Cerebral. typical me fashion, yes, in typical me fashion, I'm giving this to two games nice, <laughs> because, you know, I love to squeeze an extra one in there. Yeah. Um, but I'm giving the Spirit of Disco Elysium Award to Citizen Sleeper mm. and Pentiment. Oh, my God. OK, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> um, so Citizen Sleeper, uh, you and I both played this earlier this year as a 2020 came out this year. Twenty twenty two role playing action adventure game by Jump Over the Age. Um it was a t- it's like a it's a text-based RPG uh with that has actual like dice rolling in it, which mm. is just part of the, you know, reminded me of, of um Disco Elysium a bit. And the way that it builds out a world and kind of places you know there's a pre-existing world that it places you into in a very blank slate kind of way and asks you to engage with the citizens of this world and and I think one of the big reasons I draw a line back to Disco Elysium is it really asks you to engage with the politics of the world and the cultural like bubbles of the world so you're talking to people that have different perspectives based on where they sit in the like social hierarchy and you're kind of bringing your your own personal politics and morals and and culture into the game and, and infusing that into the space but trying to make decisions that make sense for the characters given the world that they exist in and all of that those details also apply to in the case of citizen sleeper that you're on a space station set in the very far future mm-hmm. and you're like basic i can't remember the sleepers are like androids essentially yeah, that are yeah. clones of humans uh if i'm remembering this all correctly so it's like a very high tech you know future far-flung future situation and a very uh like corporations kind of own and run everything in that environment but all of those details that i said about how it builds a world and asks you to engage in the politics of that world and make decisions that impact the characters based on the world that they live in all that also applies to pentiment which is actually a game that I played very recently that we haven't had a chance to talk about on the podcast yet. Um, But Pentiment's an adventure video game by Obsidian Entertainment, um, which is a studio that was recently bought by Xbox. And it actually just came to Xbox Game Pass. And, you know, we were talking about Game Pass earlier and how, you know despite all the access to the huge number of games there hasn't been a lot that i've played on game pass that i've been like whoa this is like a really fucking good game mm-hmm. pentiment is kind of the first game that really breaks that mold nice. and also from what i've heard in interviews with the developers i don't know that this game gets made without game pass so this oh, is wow. kind of the best case okay. scenario of what yeah. game pass's future could be mm-hmm. which is that the developer was given the leeway to release a game that may not be Uh, That had potential to be a critical success, but maybe not a financial success, but because it was coming to a streaming platform, it's automatically going to get engaged with a little bit more because there's a lower barrier to entry Mm -hmm. Um, and it's going to get critical attention. So it just boosts up conversation about, you know, there's there's benefits besides just how many games copies did this sell. Right. Yeah. Um, but Pentiment is really fucking cool. It's set in the 16th century, and the design of the game is inspired by the like illuminated manuscripts. Mm. Um, so it's all kind of done in that art style. Um, and like and printed woodcuts. It's set mm. in Europe. Um, actually, it's in you're in the Bavarian Alps, and you mm. play as a uh, young artist like you're a master artist in training who's working for a scriptorium at this abbey in the small rural town in the Bavarian Alps and um you get wrapped <laughs> up in a murder, essentially. Um, there's like, there's murder, there's scandals, there's, you know, things going on between the townspeople, but you're very much in the situation, uh, you're you're like really placed into this moment in history and into people's lives in this very specific situation that was very common for this time for people that I think we we just don't think about. Yeah. But like, in this, this small town, the land is owned by the abbey. Mm-hmm. There are peasants, you know, so there's this whole like social hierarchy. There's the peasants who are like quite poor, they're farmers and the peasants are in this situation where they have to sell their goods to the miller and the miller, like, because there's no one else around. So the miller totally controls how much money the peasants can make for their goods. Um, The miller and like the merchant class that lives in the town, they live a slightly better life than the peasants do, though they still have to pay taxes to the Abbey as well. Mm. But there's this whole situation where, you know, if the peasants can't sell their goods for enough money to the miller, then they can't afford their taxes yeah, the Abbey. Right. Abbey can then restrict their land usage and kick them off and then uh, give it to somebody else. So there's all of these like politics at play in this very specific situation. And you come in as this artist who's like just staying in the town for a period of time. You're kind of trying to make friends with everybody and you can go around, you can talk to everyone, you can hear what's going on in their lives. It, it was a game that like, At multiple points, I'd be having a conversation with someone and I could feel the tension between my me, Jamie, sitting in 2022 with my politics and my ethics, like coming into conflict with what was actually good advice for these people in the very situation that they were in. Right.
2: Mm.
1: So like, uh, you know, at the Abbey. I was having a conversation with one of the nuns, one of the sisters there, and she was lamenting the fact that she had even been forced to become a sister because Mm. her family basically sold her to the Abbey. Like, there were only so many situations that a young woman could find herself in Mm. in this time, and they didn't have a lot of, you know, maneuverability, social maneuverability, or, like, other things that they could do. So she's in the situation, and it's like, I can... um, have a conversation in the conversation. I can encourage her to be more dissatisfied, which is how I would like, I, you know, right. this sucks. It's a shitty situation for yeah. you. But if I encourage her down that path, there's really nowhere for her to go. Like there's, all she's going to do is be more miserable or I can talk to her and like, kind of talk up like, Oh, but you have all of these benefits, even Mm. though I don't necessarily fully agree with that, me, the person, but what good is it going to do for me to encourage her to feel shitty about this situation that she can't do anything about? Totally. You know what I mean? So, and and you're put into those kind of situations a lot. And, and the cool thing with the sort of murder mystery aspect is, you know, the developers have even said that there isn't a true, there isn't like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Canon. Ah, mm, answer mm-hmm. to who committed the murder Ooh, in terms what? of your solving it. So you are deciding who to accuse based on the ramifications that's going to have on the community. Holy and then shit. you get to see those ramifications over time. So really fucking cool game, cool art style. And it's totally text. Tot- like you walk around, you have conversations with people and you solve, you quote unquote, <laughs> solve, <laughs> you insert yourself into this murder and, and, and into their lives in this town. Uh, So, yeah, two two very cool games that both like really made me think hard about my own politics, about history, about different situations, about what's good and bad for people. And like, should I be even be trying to influence other people's lives? Like the both of the you know, all of these games really kind of ask to like you have a lot of agency as the player reflect on that (laughs) how
0: much should you really be getting involved in what other people have going on to this degree so it's crazy you mentioned that because i didn't know that you were playing that because pentiment is on the top of my games i missed in 2022 and want to make time for list
1: yeah you should you should check it out it is it is a unique game i've really Never you know, despite giving it the Spirit of Disco Elysium award, I've never played anything quite like Pentiment. I think a lot of that comes down to the setting. Nice. Um, just
0: being so unique. But yeah, really, really interesting game. Kind of like Card Shark where you also play as mm-hmm. like a of, what is that? Medieval person? Like, I don't know, I just, I'm like, huh, well, there should be more yeah. kind of, like, the art, that very characteristic art style of that era of time. Um mm-hmm. It's, like, really fun to kind of, it's, like, very refreshing because it's yeah. just so different from our contemporary sort of ideas of, of art and, and animation and stuff. Like, I love that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Nice. Uh, what's your next award? Okay, so this is, like, You just covered like very rich narrative tapestries and like dialogue-heavy shit that Uh I want to get into. So my next award is the Give Me More Award, which is for a game that literally every aspect about it was perfect, except that I just wanted more, a little bit more lore, a little bit more Mm. world-building to just completely round out the amazing foundation that has been set And I'm sure this will not surprise you at all, but that game is Devolver Digital's Cult of the Lamb. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. Just a so perfectly stylized music was on point. Animation was on point. Art was adorable and creepy. Like the fighting was super satisfying. Um, You are a (laughs) lamb who at the moment of being sacrificed on the religious altar of a of a cult um, is asked by a demon, like, hey, do you want to come back to life? And in exchange, raise a cult in my name and take out all these other non-believers, including the people who sacrificed you? Yes. Um, (laughs) Awesome game. I just, I think I thought getting to the end of the game, that there'd be just a little bit more of the, like, why behind, where did this sort of cosmic level conflict come from? What's with these religions? What's this world where everyone is like a prey animal? Like what is going on here? I just wanted a bit more structure to kind of tie it all together. Um, and the game was was very much about its loop, like uh, the growing of followers, the managing of your town, the um, roguelike structure of going through randomly generated um battle dungeons um and it was all great and i played the whole thing um i think if i could do it all again or if there's ever a sequel in the works i would want it to just have a little bit more of that lore that makes games like Hades um really stand out in my mind um for everything else that it was bringing to the table so Um, Yeah, I just wanted a little bit more of that sweet, sweet narrative action from Cult of the Lamb. Um, But yeah, what, what about you? What's next on the docket?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I'll just say, like, yeah, I agree with everything you said about Cult of the Lamb, and it didn't it didn't appear in my awards, but, man, what a fun time that game was. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, so close. That That is, like, the thing that would have bumped it up. From my... a 9 out
0: of 10 to yeah, an 11 yeah, out of 10. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so
1: this is actually the final award that I'll be giving for the day. Um, but my final one, I want to shout out uh, a game that didn't come out this year, but that we played this year that absolutely... Uh, touched me very deeply, mm. and I'm giving it my cried like a baby award,
2: mm.
1: <laughs> and I'm giving that to you before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks may recall we talked about this. I think back in February, uh, before your eyes came out last year, 2021. It's an adventure game developed by Goodbye World Games. Uh, this is the game where you very uniquely uh, control the game by blinking. As uh, a PC game that you sit and play with your camera turned on, and you move narrative scenes forward um, by blinking. So you can stay in a scene, uh, which the scenes are actually all contextualized in the game as memories. Uh, you're like a soul being ferried across the, basically across the river sticks. That's not exactly the lore of the game, but essentially mm-hmm. you're being yeah. ferried towards the afterlife and you're given the opportunity to sort of relive key moments in your life. And as you're seeing these memories, You can stay in a memory longer by not blinking. And as soon as you do blink, it'll move to the next memory. And that very simple but ingenious mechanic uh, caused a level of immersion in a narrative Mm -hmm. that I don't like, I've never experienced before, and I don't know if I'll ever experience again. Mm -hmm. It was so effective. I, and this game was like ninety minutes, two hours. Not even. And, it was
0: like just over an hour that we played it.
1: Yeah, it, it was short. Yeah, um, but so powerful, and has continued to stick with me. And it's definitely going to be one of those ones that I, you know, because I'm such a ridiculously anal person. I'm at the end of the year. I'm going to like go through my list of games I played this year, and I'll move some of them into my favorite games of all time list. And yeah. this one will definitely be on that list. Mm. Like. Such a powerful emotional experience that yeah. uh the story that it's telling itself is is very emotional, but also just, you know, made me nostalgic for even like this childhood that I didn't live that played yeah. out in the game, but just made yeah. me nostal- nostalgic for my own life, for all of those little moments that we can't, mm-hmm. you can't hold on to like, what would it be like to relive them? And if he were given the opportunity to see them again, you wouldn't want to blink. You, would, you wouldn't want right. to let them go. You would want to stay in some of these moments and just really encourages you to kind of like <sighs> hang on to that, be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Love the people that are around you deeply, and because you don't know when it's going to end mm-hmm. or change,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: powerful game. So I mean, you want me to follow that somehow? Yeah, somehow <laughs> if you can. What's your final award? I guess speaking of emotional, you know, moments and stuff, I my final award um, is the "Killing Me Silently" award. <laughs> in that, this was a game that really emotionally affected me, even though. Um, your protagonist does not speak and actually cannot speak because he is a cat and that game is Stray from Blue 12 (laughs) Studio. Um, I mean, (sighs) so Stray was nominated for Game of the Year and a lot of people laughed at that because it was literally (laughs) like a true David and Goliath moment of this tiny cat game up against Elden Ring, God of War and Horizon Forbidden West. Like, oh my God. (laughs) Um, And I just... At the time, I sort of chuckled, too, at just the absurdity of of that. But, like, it really was, at least to me, uh, groundbreaking in its own way. Um, mm. I love cats. That's no secret <laughs> if you know me. Um, and know I was me. just... <laughs> yeah, my cat's <laughs> name is Nomi. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, like, just the way that it realistically captured what cats are like... While also just showing, I think cats get a bad rap, but there's been so much research showing that they are actually very in their way, like very loving, very empathetic, um, animals. And I think that this game, like, if you're not, if you're someone who hates cats, I hope that playing stray would change your mind. Um, (laughs) but it's also like a very tender story about, um, like what it means to be human and and the ways in which um, we can sort of lose sight of hope or think that we're past the capacity to change um, based on conditions in and outside of our control. Um, and it's about like, you know, sometimes you need a little help getting out of a rut that you might be in, and um, the end of one thing can mean the beginning of a new thing. like it's not all over just because someone says it is um mm. there's a lot going on and you know you're not speaking you're not you're not getting we're not really getting the inner monologue of our protagonist um we feel for him because he's been separated from his like feral cat colony um but like just the amount of emotion conveyed through movement the humor the um the play the way it played with the the innate curiosity and playfulness of cats. Um, and I don't know. It just, it really, it really made me feel some stuff um, and just appreciate our animal friends more as well. So it's, it's a, a really great little too. game. Yeah. 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 I had a lot of fun getting the platinum, mm-hmm. but yeah, straight was straight
1: was great. And I think just the, uh, the animation of the cat alone, I, yeah. I think does like, it deserved to get nominated for awards. I think yeah. the folks shitting on it are just just silly. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> like that that aspect alone. I mean, maybe you didn't love the gameplay. But I just, it's just such a smooth experience and such a. I, I don't know. I think a lot of developers could been could have been presented with this notion of like make a game where you play as a cat, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of ways that you could have done it that would have been really not fun or felt right for how a cat is. And they just made so many interesting decisions in terms of the way they designed the the movement and the way the cat interacted with things that was really smart and kept
0: it feel true to what it would be like to be a cat. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. So great game. And just the amount of, (laughs) the way it communicated so much without words, like even as you're Mm -hmm. talking about the world, um, like, you're just this tiny cat in this massive city and yet you managed to find your way forward. Like there's no map, mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. like heads up display directing you. Like you're just did finding your way. way. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Like, <laughs> just everything about the environment was amazing and how they indicated a path and made you feel like you were really just figuring it out yourself. Like that's all incredible design work. So um, kudos blue 12. Like, can't wait mm-hmm. for Stray 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I thought I had made a little list of games that I had missed. Um, so oh, yeah, okay. I thought I could just name drop some of those and hope that yeah. I find some time between now and the end of the year to maybe start <laughs> at least one of them. Um, but I've got Pentiment, as uh-huh. as I so mentioned. Um, yeah. Pokemon Violet just cuz like hey, I'm not immune to the hype train and it does look cool to have an open world Pokemon game. Um, and you're like a Pokemon fan anyway, right? Like you've yeah, like played I grew other up Pokemon, Pokemon. Pokemon. Okay. yeah. Like it was yeah. like my first like that got me into the kind of adventure RPG kind of genre, so I mm-hmm. do love Pokemon. Um Marvel's Midnight Suns which is a tactical turn-based RPG, and I know you're playing it too.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sure is a tactical turn-based RPG. It's also, like, mashed up with a... What would even be the way oh to God. put this? Uh, reminds me of Mass Effect. Oh,
0: what? Okay. In terms
1: of the run around a location and talk to your teammates aspect. Uh, it's Yeah, it's like a... Yeah, the tactical card game mashed up with a dating sim where you can't actually date
2: mm. oh.
1: uh, so you're going on mission yeah so the, the my biggest critique of this game is that there's no porking like what come on <laughs> now yeah. because it's absolutely set up and i just i have to imagine
0: they had had the game developers
1: it. would have put that in. Yeah. And yeah, either they had to cut it because of time constraints or Marvel was like, um, no, you can't have the player character running around and like just humping all of the <laughs> all of our superheroes. Um, but it absolutely feels like it was designed for that purpose. And mm. then they just don't let you like cross the line into a relationship or so it's all friendship you're getting friendship points with everyone sure friendship yeah bunch of hot people in an abbey with a fucking pool outside (laughs) like i can buy pink uh fucking swim trunks for blade but i can't fuck him all right (laughs) (laughs) right. all right fine (laughs) um this the game is campy as hell in a way that I'm really enjoying, but okay. I, there's a lot of folks that don't like it. And I think that's really valid. The dialogue is, can just, it's like overly earnest. Mm. You, it's a, you create your own character in this world. It's like a made up character that you play as, and you, you make your own character, but then all of the other characters that you're interacting with, like basically they have had, had to have this team up of all of these superheroes that exist in the Marvel universe mm. And they all want to be best friends with you.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: In like a really earnest way. (laughs) And it's kind of like just cute and dorky is the best way to put it. But I definitely see like anybody who like loves the MCU and like really like takes these characters like more seriously, which Mm -hmm. I think is. I'm also a big fan of the MCU, but this is such a like kind of like throwback Corny comic way of dealing yeah. with the characters where they all just feel they don't feel quite authentically human, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, like, yeah, like a, like campy, a JRPG, like bad way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's still kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and then that's like, mixed up with the fact that all of the animations look like something off the like PS3 era. like oh my God. the the All the stuff that you do that's like running around and talking to characters at your home base and you have hangouts with them so it's like you go up to them and you're like, hey, you want to hang out and then you pick a location. Oh, let's go hang out by the pool. <laughs> and then the two of you just sit in the pool like static as hell and have this weird, awkward conversation and you make dialogue choices oh to try to yes. increase your friendship points with them. Yeah. But But if you increase your friendship stats, you get awesome like bonuses when you get the actual card battle mechanics are really fucking good and a lot of fun. Like the battles themselves, I'm having a ton of fun with and I love leveling up my cards and all that. And then like I'm not hating the stuff at the home base (laughs) enough to not keep doing it. It's it's just weird. It is a weird combination of things to have in a game. Mm -hmm. But I think it's supposed to be kind of funny. I think it's I think it's supposed to be a little bit of a like, oh, aren't superheroes kind of silly? Like, yeah, (laughs) is it kind of silly? They dress up in silly outfits and they go like beat up aliens and stuff. Isn't this weird? (laughs) We're like fighting demons. (laughs) Isn't that funny?
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. okay I mean, as a queer gamer who loves JRPGs, I am used to the feeling of getting close to a same sex character. Uh, only to be told at the last second that the farthest I can go is friendship. So I'm excited to engage with. Uh, <laughs> oh my god,
2: it's like Midnight Blue Balls the video game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh uh,
1: yeah, I, I don't know if I would recommend spending seventy dollars on Marvel Midnight Suns, but yeah. if you catch it on a sale or something over the holiday break, I think you you would enjoy the campiness. Um, nice. And and I'm really liking the card combat. So nice
0: great oh my god i have so many games i want to play now um was that it what was else what else was on your list um i also want to mention road 96 um Mm. so this is a game by digix art and plug-in digital um and it's a procedurally generated road trip game where you play as various teens who are attempting to take a cross-country road trip and cross the border of this like authoritarian, uh, dystopian government. So it's kind of like if you were in The Handmaid's Tale, I guess, and trying to get out without being captured or killed. Um, and you play. So each time your player character either fails or succeeds to cross the border, you start again as a new, a different person and you're trying to do the same thing um and it's all culminating uh with this election day and this authoritarian post apocalyptic like country um so that sounds like very scary but it's also like kind of this like funny uh exciting like relationship driven it's like all these different characters um you can like steal you can salvage items um you hitchhike you take buses um you're just trying to to get across this map so I, i haven't played it um that's what i've seen of it it looks cool i like the procedurally generated part and the part that like each time you play is unique um it looks cool i don't did you play road 96 i can't remember i tried it didn't it didn't oh it didn't hit did not hit for me and
1: yeah it just it just didn't hit i can't remember all of my specific criticisms it was much earlier this year that i tried it yeah i played through like one whole loop um and then was just kind of like Uh, I'm all set, I think. (laughs) I have I have heard that like the more loops you do with it, the more unfolds in the game and it becomes more narratively interesting. But, you know, kind of speaking of like, you know, corny dialogue and things not feeling super authentic, I felt a lot of that in that game and the gameplay just didn't back up that corny. Like, that is a game that is completely reliant on the narrative to pull you through. And when I just feel like these characters aren't talking like real people to each mm, other and it all yeah. just feels a little on the nose mm, and yeah,
2: eh.
1: that's it real. just, it just didn't feel authentically human. And yeah. if I'm playing a game that's really grounded in dialogue and human interaction, like I want it to feel pretty yeah. true to human nature and behavior. And yeah. I didn't. Especially if, if I'm going like. to repeat
0: the cycle like nine times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also it's like, I mean, they're obviously pointing at like Trump's America, like that is mm. the country that you are escaping from, essentially. Um, Oops. So, they, interesting, <laughs> like the the um, the political commentary they were trying to set up, but then they're just like so on the nose about it that it yeah
0: it d- didn't hit for me. Mm. Okay, well that's good to know. I'll file that away in my <laughs> mental. Um, but thing. maybe it would work for you. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Okay. Well,
1: what's on your list? Uh so my my short list that I want to get back to, I I I really want to get back to I Was a Teenage Exocolonist. Mm. That is a like narrative RPG game that also has a card mechanic built into it. It is a bit of a roguelite in that you kind of play through and then I think like reset with a new character, kind of similar to what we're talking mm. about actually with Road 96. Um but this one's more text-based as opposed to, like, you're moving through a 3D environment. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that one just looks interesting. It's supposed to have, like, you the cards that you put in your deck that you use for, con- I think, conversations and maybe some... I don't know if there's combat in the game. I think you mostly use cards for for conversations, mm. but they are created by the memories that you experience throughout the life that your character lives and mm-hmm. then you'll kind of live lives as multiple generations of characters on this uh like space colony that's been set up right. so Seems interesting. Uh, I'd like to get back to Tunic. I played a couple hours of Tunic. This is um, a yeah. game kind of similar. It's, it's Zelda-like, uh, and you play as a cute little fox. And the combat is a little bit too hard, but I had read that there's um, some stuff in the accessibility settings that you can turn on to kind of to make it a bit, uh, more approachable, mm, okay. so I'd I'd like to go in and and revisit the game with some of those settings turned on because I'm just not I don't need they're kind of it's a reminds me a bit reminded me a bit of Death's Door last year in terms of the combat being in that area mm. and I love Death's Door but I just didn't when I picked up Tunic I was already playing Elden Ring and I was like yeah. I don't need two games where I feel like I'm like sweating it over here yeah. um, and I think if I went back yeah. to Tunic it would be more <laughs> of like I just want to explore the world and not have a hard time doing that. Yeah, it's like adorable Elden Ring. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, Circus Electric is on my list. I picked this up on a sale on PlayStation a while back. It's a a Darkest Dungeon-esque game, which I'm a huge fan of Darkest Dungeon. It's got card playing mechanics, um, but you're doing battles as like a steampunk group of circus characters. (laughs) The art is really interesting. And I listened to a really good like video review of it where they said it's like, you know, it's this is not a game that's going to win awards or anything like that, but just like really interesting well-designed mm-hmm. little game. So mm-hmm. I'd like to get back and check that out. And the final thing on my list that is too fucking long and I'm I'm probably not going to really jump back into it. But The Witcher 3 did just do their <gasps> free PS5 upgrade. Okay. Um, so graphics and all that is upgraded if you'd already if you already own the game, it's free yeah. to get the new version of it. And I did, I never did that? I bought the DLC packs that folks say are like even better than the main Witcher game, but I never went back and played through them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I did, I reinstalled it with the PS5 upgrade patch yesterday. And maybe if I have time in the coming month or two, maybe I'll make it back into Witcher 3 and finally play some of those DLCs. Uh, yes. we'll yeah. see. We'll see. I don't know. It's I did see that and I was like, Ooh. But I'm intrigued. Yeah. And they've said that they're going to. I never played Witcher One, but they're doing a full remake of Witcher One, which is exciting. And yeah, I don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. Thinking about The Witcher. Yeah. The Witcher. The Witcher. (laughs) Well, Spencer, that is our game of the year episode. We made it. In the bag. It was a great fucking year for video games. Uh I hope that y'all will write into us or uh you know leave reviews comments on the episode let us know yeah. what your, your favorite games of the year mm-hmm. were uh engage in the conversation and, and just have fun playing some video games you know yeah. especially as we get through the holiday season if the weather's bad where you're at there's nothing better than snuggling up under a cozy blanket and mm-hmm. spending the weekend playing some games
0: mm-hmm. It's just the best. Let's it really just is. <laughs> hibernate together. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it.
1: All right. So time is up for today's session of Pixel Therapy, but thank you for tuning in. And we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own. If you want more Pixel Therapy, come check us out at patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod where you can snag that monthly bonus episode for just $2 a month, plus opportunities to get involved with the community and influence the show directly. If you're not up for contributing monetarily, but you enjoyed this episode, you can show your support for free by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and following us on Twitter and Instagram at Pixel Therapy Pod. That stuff is just as important, and Spencer and I appreciate it just as much. And you can keep up with all of this stuff and more by visiting our website at
0: pixeltherapypod.com. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. Uh, This month we invite you to donate to the Black Trans Rent Relief Fund as well as the Trans Wellness Fund. Um, These folks have helped fund um, housing security for over a 1,000 Black trans folks in need. Um, As the weather gets colder... Um, it's really important that housing security is accounted for. There are so many, like housing is a human right. We believe that on this podcast. Um, Amen. And it's just harder and harder um, to stay housed for lots of people. Um, and so mm-hmm. as the weather gets colder, it's really important to think about your community members who may be unhoused or facing um homelessness. Um, So please check out um, Black Trans Rent Relief. They have an Instagram account. Um, You can also hit them up on Venmo.com slash Black Trans Rent Relief. Their trans wellness fund um, uh, is also on Venmo, uh, venmo Venmo.com slash trans-wellness. You can learn more about these different initiatives um, and and reach all the links uh, to donate at linktree slash Beautiful as well. Awesome.
1: Thank you for that side quest, Spencer. That is our show for today. So go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We'll be back soon, but in the new year Ooh. with some more
2: <laughs> pixel, pixel therapy. therapy. Yeah.
1: Bye bye. <laughs>